get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. Let's go out to the 101 ESPN hotline to be joined by Katie Wu, the Cardinals insider for the athletic. You can follow her on Twitter or X. I don't know what we're calling it nowadays at Katie J Wu. Always appreciate her joining us here on the show. Katie, I hope you enjoyed yourself up in Chicago this weekend. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, guys. It's nice to be back in Phoenix. You know, I went to school out in Tempe, um, forgot what it was like to spontaneously combust as soon as you step outside from the heat. But other than that, I'm looking forward to it should be a pretty hectic week, not just for the Cardinals, but for Major League Baseball leading up to the trade deadline. Absolutely. And I want to start by looking back before we look forward, Katie. I feel like on Friday, we've said this a million different times, but I think there were some that were starting to buy back in. I think Friday, when the Cardinals lost that game and Alec Burleson hit into that double play specifically after the blown call by the umpire, that for me was the moment where it was like, okay, snap back into reality that this team is not going anywhere. Did you feel that momentum kind of uh, blow itself out of the stadium as that play was taking place on Friday? You know, I didn't. I I can certainly understand why people did. I didn't because I've I've basically been a hater and thought that that six game-winning streak was a little bit of a fluke. Um, I did not think it was sustainable. So for me, you know, while Burleson did everything right, and I hate to harp on things that happened two or three days ago, but I just feel like, you know, the umpiring over the series was was far from ideal. For Burleson to do everything right and for them to still lose, uh, it solidified to me again that they should be selling. You know, it's a very unfathomable, unfathomable concept in St. Louis to be approaching the trade deadline as true sellers. But I thought the worst thing that this organization could have done was ride high off that six-game win streak and think, you know, maybe, hey, we can turn it around uh, because it's just so, so clear. If they want to address their problems going forward, they have to uh, take the hit, really and uh, sell at the deadline and set their sights towards 2024. Katie, don't call it a hater. I call it a realist that you just understood that this Cardinals team wasn't going to be able to figure it out. But because BK likes to live in the past, I like to look forward, Katie. And as we approach August 1st for this trade deadline, tell me how optimistic you truly are that John Mozeliak is going to be able to overhaul this pitching staff for 2024. I would say I'm cautiously optimistic that there will be significant improvements, but they clearly won't all happen at one time. I think to set the standards for this year's trade deadline as when the Cardinals are done on August 1st, clock strikes, 4 o'clock central time or whatever it is, um, and the Cardinals have all their problems figured out for 2024, that's not what's going to happen here. But what this trade deadline is going to do is it's going to set the foundation for an offseason in which hopefully the front office can really get everything together for next year. I think there will be some significant turnover. I do think Jordan Montgomery will be traded. Um, I do think multiple relievers will be gone, uh, depending on who. It's kind of up to what each contending team is looking for because the Cardinals have a slew of relievers that all, can all do different things. Not quite sure about Flaherty. I can hear both arguments that they should trade him now or that they should see if he'd be willing to sign a two- to three-year extension because he does have that swing and miss when that fastball command is right that the Cardinals are coveting so, so deeply. Um, But I think, again, in order to set our expectations, 
straight for this trade deadline. This is not going to be the time of year where the Cardinals fix everything. They're merely just going to set the foundation to set them up to succeed in the offseason. And that's where most of the, the bulk of the work and I think the most important work will come. Katie, I want to get uh, your perspective on a conversation that we've been having here on the show over the course of the last week or two. Uh, I brought up the name last week, Clark Schmidt. Now, he is the most average of average major league starters. Literally, when you look at his ERA+, plus, which is on a scale of 1 to, one to 100, like 100 being average, he's at 98 this year. He's nothing to write home about. But... He's a legit average major league starter, and the Cardinals could really use guys like that in the rotation right now. Is that the kind of guy that the Cardinals are going to be looking to acquire at the deadline? Or do you think this is about them getting as many young starters that are still in the minor leagues as possible? How do you view what they're looking to acquire? I think it's a combination, right? We know the Cardinals want to be competitive in 2024, and luckily for St. Louis, they reside in a division where that is an entirely possible scenario. Now, there's a reason that they're not asking for prospects below the double-A level. They want major league-ready talent or talent that is knocking at the door and could be major league-ready by spring training or early 2024. Now, Clark Schmidt, of course, you know, I actually had him in a deal with our – we've been doing a lot of trade packages at The Athletic. Partnered up with our Yankees writer, Chris Kirshner. He's fantastic. And Clark Schmidt was a name he floated from New York side if the Cardinals and the Yankees ended up making a trade. I could see him being one of those – Three, four guys in the rotation. Now, the argument that we're going to get, right, guys, is they don't need another three, four guy. They have a lot of four, five guys already. So a three, four guy doesn't really move the needle all that much. But I do think Clark Schmidt is a reasonable name they can acquire. He's ready to go, or even a Clark Schmidt prototype, right? He's experienced. He has lots of team control. The Cardinals are really coveting that. And I think that he's a he's someone that won't cost an entire uh entire team control like he won't be a big haul to get a name like that now of course if the cardinals have a name let's say i think the most ideal name out there right now in a perfect world would be logan gilbert they're certainly going to try to get logan gilbert right i'm not saying it's going to happen but if he floated their way i mean it's they'd be not very smart to ignore that offer but i think in terms of what we're looking for what the cardinals are looking for this deadline it's bolstering as, bolstering as much major league ready talent or close to ready talent as they can. Katie, we've, we've heard the names start to come out of guys that the Cardinals are unwilling to hear discussions on. Goldschmidt, Arenado, Jordan Walker makes a lot of sense. And now we've gotten the large Newt bar. Are there more names that you feel like should be on that list going into August 1st? I'm going to push back a little bit. And I am not prepared for what this is going to do with the text line. But luckily for me, I don't have to read that. Just you guys do. Absolutely. I'm not sure if Jordan Walker is considered 100% untouchable at this point. Because when you look at I, – I will go on the record and say I don't feel the Cardinals have put him in the best position to succeed in the outfield. I think he's had to learn and adapt at the major league level at a very, very fast pace. And that is really hard to do for a 21-year-old who has up until this point – played the outfield professionally for almost a year. So he's not even had a full calendar year of experience. They switched him to the outfield in Springfield last year at last year's trade deadline. It is really difficult to go out there and succeed in that position. However, what we've seen from Jordan Walker over the last four months is that outfield is probably not his position in the big leagues. He's an exceptional defender at third base. He could also play first base and we can go on and on about his offense, but what do the Cardinals have locked down at third base and first base? They have their cornerstone faces of the franchise. You can long-term DH him, but 
that doesn't really fit with what the Cardinals do in terms of their lineup flexibility. So they would certainly hate for Jordan Walker to go, but I don't think he's regarded as 100% untouchable at this point. So let me follow up on that. Because Katie you know we Wu have is to. the Cardinals insider for The Athletic. You can follow her on Twitter at Katie J. Wu, and you should be reading all of her fantastic work over at The Athletic. Katie, I, I feel the need to ask this follow-up. Are you saying based on your opinion from watching Jordan Walker this year and the struggles that he's had in the outfield and what we know with Arenado and Goldie not moving, you believe that the Cardinals should not view him as a untouchable? Or are you saying based upon your reporting, the Cardinals do not view Jordan Walker as an untouchable? No, that's a great clarification to make. This is my speculation just based on what I've seen watching Jordan Walker. Again, I think the Cardinals, more or less, unless it's an overwhelming offer, will not move him. And that would be a PR nightmare. Um, It would not be something I personally would like to write about. But (laughs) I do think when you're looking at how this team can get better and how they can acquire the pitching talent they desperately need, they're going to look at position log jams. And Jordan Walker is the type of name that's going to get every organization to listen to. So it's a strategic play. Again, this is just my speculation. This is just a, hey, let's see how crazy can these things get at the trade deadline. But I'm not sure if he's 100% untouchable. I would say he's about 90. Do you look at that untouchable list then, Katie, as Goldie and Arenado and that's it? Essentially, yes. I've, I've put Brennan Donovan in the 90% untouchable as well. I just think Brennan Donovan is a ball player, even yeah, with Katie. his injury. We don't know what that's going to look like, but... He is the type of player that teams move around. He is not someone that I think should be traded. At the same time, he is someone that 29 other organizations would love to have on their team. Katie, there's one thing we don't do on the show, and it's agree with BK. Yeah, she gets it. She knows ball. Sorry. <laughs> Come on, Katie. Sorry, Come on, guys. Katie. Katie, what do you see happening with Wilson Contreras over the course of the next six months? You know, that's a really great question because I'm not sure if he'll be the long-term catcher come 2024. I think there's a reason the Cardinals have three catchers on their roster right now. Um, we've, we know how short they are in pitching, so for them to be carrying just 12 pitchers says a lot about what they think about their catching position. They need to see what they have in Yvonne Herrera. I think Herrera looks exceptionally better than last year. He looks ready. He looks more confident. There still will be growing pains, but he's in a position to catch almost every day. The Cardinals need to figure that out because if they look to move Contreras to a DH role or even put him on the trading block, they need to know what they have in their reserves in Herrera and Kisner before they can do that. It would be a lot. It would be a monstrous trade, right? The Cardinals would have to require to, or would be required to eat a lot of that contract if they do decide to move him. But again, St. Louis is in that position where a lot of the guys that you think are untouchable won't be because they St. Louis needs pitching so so direly that almost everyone is going to have to be on the table. So I'm not sure what Contreras' designated role will be over the next six months. I'm not even sure if he will be here. Um, But I say that about a lot of guys. So we'll see. But I think it is pretty telling right now that the Cardinals are carrying three catchers and are down a pitcher when they so desperately need one. Katie, my final question. um, What would you set the over-under in terms of number of players on the active roster, so from their 26-man roster that are traded by the deadline? What would you set the over-under at? Oh, good question. Let me count. Let me use my fingers real quick. Sure. Um, I would say, I think six is a healthy number. It's a serious number, Katie. Yeah? What do you guys think? I think it seems low. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think you have enough fingers on your hand to count how many players are going to get traded. 
What, you trading a whole 40-man? <laughs> sure. Might as well. We said we were going to purge. Season. I got 20 guys on the 40-man that I could be interested in to get moved. I feel like I've got six pitchers that I could move. Right, but guys, like we talked about, to, to get value, you have to be able to give value away. Sure, and, and I'm I'm not kidding, True though. True that, Katie. <laughs> Flaherty, Montgomery, Helsley, Stratton, Verhage, Hicks, and then literally throw any other pitcher that you want to into the mix. I'm at six. That's just the pitchers, Katie. That's true, but I don't think, uh, I'm not sure if Verhagen is tradable. I think, uh, just again, Bang balls. let's go. Yikes. Uh, Gallegos is probably an under-the-radar name to watch. I think Giovanni Gallegos could get moved this deadline. There's your sixth. Um, yeah, we didn't get to the outfielder, so maybe I'm low. Maybe I am low. Let's go to eight. Eight's a good number. There we go, Katie. If you had to guess, Katie, <laughs> how many current outfielders will be in the starting outfield on opening day of 24? Ooh, Okay. Now, are we counting outfielders like true position or players that are just currently playing the outfield? Because you think Wilson Contreras is going to be a left fielder. I get it. How many actual outfielders do you think will be outfielders in 24 for this team? So basically, you can tell us what you think of Tommy Edmond. Yeah, I was about to say, is Tommy Edmond an outfielder? Does he fit this? Um, Lars Newbar and Tommy Edmond, I think, will make up a... Well, actually, I don't even know where Tommy Edmond will be. I don't know if he'll be center fielder, shortstop, or second base. But I think for that, for the purpose of the exercise, we'll sure. include him. Um, and then I don't really consider Jonathan an outfielder, but he does play the outfield, so we'll throw him in there. So I guess three, a loose three. Still have a log jam in that outfield then. I, Katie, have you ever seen anything like this where a team has no. this much influx? I haven't. And that's, again, what goes back to my Jordan Walker point is they have to find a place for him. And... It, it, no matter, and this is the problem that they have with almost everybody on their roster, right? Like, I don't want to continue to harp on the Walker thing. I just think it's an interesting point. They have so many players and nowhere to put them. And depth can be a good thing until you have too much depth in a couple of areas and not enough depth in another. So the Cardinals have, like, six outfielders and DHs and utility players and, like, two pitchers, right, that you can really trust to go out there on a given day and perform for you. So I'm not sure. Um, I think their versatility, the way that Ollie Marmel used the lineup in 2022, was a huge strength to the club. This year, I think it's been a huge detriment. Real quick, one more follow-up, Kitty. Are you concerned at all that they maybe lean too much to one side to where they're moving all these position players to open up log jam space and bring in more pitchers, and then the offense and the talent that they have currently is not there for next season? Yeah, I think it's a very dangerous game to be playing. It's a very thin line. One thing that we do like about the Cardinals this year is their offense is pretty dang good. And I think the biggest challenge John Mozeliak and the front office have, not just this trade deadline, but over the offseason, is how do you maximize the offense while creating space for players and making sure you're not trading away the majority of that offensive power. And I don't think there's a perfect solution to that. I think there's a reason why there's so much pressure on the Cardinals' brass to start performing over the next week leading into the trade deadline and, of course, into the offseason. Um, and there's no perfect blueprint. I don't know, and I don't know if you guys know either. I'm totally willing to listen. If I can look at the 40-man roster and plot out exactly who should stay and who should go and feel 100% confident about every single move. No. There's no way to do it. You can't. You're going to have to make bets. And this is why I don't give the Cardinals as much criticism for the Marcelo Zuna trade as so many others do. They needed a cleanup hitter. 
and they went out and got who they believed to be the best guy available at the time. And he was. It was a big bet that they made, and they lost. And sometimes that happens. Meanwhile, the Randy Rosarena trade was not a move that they made because they had to. It was a move that they made because they wanted to for Matthew Libertor. And they lost that one in a big way. And I think it has yeah. had like serious ramifications for years to come for them. So I, I give them much more crap for the Randy Rosarena deal than I do the Marcelo Ozuna one, even though the Ozuna one, when you look at the pitching side of things, like that was the one that was more costly, but it was also a bet that was, I think, much more reasonable to make. And those, those are some of the bets that they're going to have to make going into this trade deadline and then certainly into the offseason as well. Completely agree. I think you're spot on. And again, that's why these trades carry so much weight because the Cardinals are in a dire need for pitching and they're in a dire need to compete for next year. They have to make some bets and they can't afford to be wrong at this time. Katie Wu is going to be following all of this for The Athletic. She's done excellent work for them. You should be following her on Twitter if you aren't already, at Katie J. Wu. That's where she'll send out all of her work. And, of course, you can just go over to The Athletic and read it there as well. She's done a number of pieces, one with the Dodgers, one with the Yankees, uh, over the last week or so with some trade packages that might make sense for both teams. Katie, we appreciate the time as always. This time next week we'll be talking about this once again, as at that point we'll be just 24 hours away, I think, or 48 hours, I guess, from the trade deadline. So we'll talk to you again about all of this stuff again next week. You got it, guys. Looking forward to it. Have a great week.